and welcome to For the Record, a show we record every other week in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on the world's best internet radio station, BFF.FM, or subscribe to the podcast at For the Record Podcast, all one word, dot com. This week we're talking about a new album from Japanese Breakfast called Jubilee, and it starts with a song called Paprika. The city that came slowly I awoke from dreams of untying a great knot It unraveled like a braid into what seemed with thousands of separate strands of vision Attached to course behavior flow Japanese breakfast record and it's been four years since their last one but that wasn't the original plan and then the pandemic happened and so yeah this is yet another record that was recorded prior to COVID and then sat on the shelf for a while and as seems to happen so often you know that a track feels so resonant with the pandemic with no awareness of the pandemic because this one you know it's the quintessential like what it is to be an artist, to feel that connection to people and how transformative an experience that is. And yet there's also a kind of dark bridge where it's just like, and to be alone and to be cut off from that is to be feel to be dead inside. Like, and that this is clearly, you know, the, I, maybe the original intent was to emphasize that positive bit, but I really do hear that, that, that dark shadow really took over for everyone. <laughs> That, yeah, this album is about joy and, and the song is about the joy of being a musician. And this follows Michelle Zahner, who's the main creative force of Japanese Breakfast. Uh, her first two albums were a lot about grief and the death of, death of her mother. And she has a book out right now called Crying in H Mart, which is a memoir that I just started reading that's about her mom dying of cancer. And she really wanted this record to have a big sound and she thought about touring and recruiting string and horn musicians in each city that she was going to be playing to play you know a lot of the arrangements on this album and so it's such a bummer that then the pandemic happened and none of that happened but hopefully that will happen now yeah there is a tour scheduled i think for the fall so it's very exciting yeah because the 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 horns and strings on all of these songs are great but this one in particular adam shots from landlady who's like one of my favorites plays on it and a bunch of other musicians oh yeah the and i i find though that her diverse influences really come through here because i i love that musically it starts off and, and i love that it's voc the vocals are about oh i'm waking up from a dream and there's this kind of feeling where her vocals are very percussive and then she's kind of waking up and settling in and then her vocals become much more fluid 
And then there's this really kind of almost martial drum beat coming in as her as her voice becomes more flowing. And then this arpeggiated synths that are and then that carries. I think once you got it, <laughs> but then that's carrying through underneath the horns in that chorus, and that it's a rush, uh, kind of summing up that experience. And there's so much going on, and yeah, she's clearly she's really hard to pigeonhole, which is fantastic and gets me excited for the rest of this record. And I think it was very in- intentionally. I guess she said in an interview that the record label really wanted the first track to be one of the singles. And she said, no, no, no. I want to have it be this kind of statement of intent for the record. I think that's the right way to start. Yeah. I feel like this is the perfect. Yeah. I mean, the label people are always. Yeah. And then we can go into the second track, which is one of the singles. And it's called Be Sweet. coherent theme it really each of these songs was really written at different times and in different situations so they hang together well but they each are their own animal and this is one where because of an odd situation that's not worth going into she wrote she co-wrote this song with jack tatum of wild nothing and they were thinking that they would maybe write it for some pop singer but she liked the song so much that she decided to keep it for herself. And it, it does have a very Cindy Lauper pop feel. Yeah. The production leans into that where I think there's a mixture of almost the guitar work is very disco. And then the drums have kind of that eighties kind of gated reverb vibe. And then her vocals have that sheen to them that does feel in its way, wouldn't be out of place on, you know, that eighties pop record. And yet her voice is so quirky within that milieu that it, it does mix it up and gives it that edge. And I think it's perfect for this song that on first listen, be sweet. It's so sweet and romantic. And then it's no, it's really, you know, it's this kind of, Hey, people kind of suck and people are not perfect. And it's, it's really, even as it has this kind of romantic aura about it it's kind of puncturing that romance and saying no people are imperfect and sometimes you have to put up with people who stumble and hopefully you forgive them and they do better later yeah she she's really pushing her vocal range especially in the part where we faded out you can tell that she's really i think in general on this record really stretching herself and is not successful in every moment, but it's great to see her really kind of reaching almost beyond her grasp. And I feel like this song is is an example of that. Yeah, and it's that she's, you know, 
I think this kind of modern indie music where there, you know, there isn't a fear of being pop. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I can be a serious artist and I can be pop and I can be also super commercial because weirdly enough, there's another version of this song sung in the made-up language Simlish because it's the theme song to a Sims expansion pack. So she is not afraid of getting her music into weird places. She is apparently also currently writing the soundtrack to a video game. Yeah, so I I love that it is so millennial to be like, yeah, I'm a huge music fan and I also love video games. And good for her that she's able to get success in that world. So the next song we'll play is called Kokomo, Indiana. song that expresses a sentiment that is rarely explored in pop music and i feel the i love you you're too good for me go out and wow them the way you've wowed me it's a really sweet sentiment but bittersweet and you know when i so many of the reviews and interviews and it's all about this is joy and you know you mentioned that and it's a joyful sounding record but that joy is always tempered with a there's this haze of sadness around all of these songs and I think it elevates them. It keeps them from being just saccharine, sickly sweet pop to being something a lot richer and more important. Yeah. The, this is such a sweet song and the strings make it seem even more endearing and sweet. And that slide guitar, I wanted to include some of the slide guitar, which is played by her longtime producer, Craig Hendricks, who's also the producer on this record and plays a lot of the instruments. And it's supposed to be about some, you know, hometown, like, you know, young people in love and then they go off and leave their hometown. And it really has that feel with the instrumentation. Yeah, I really appreciate the song. And I I mean, the name immediately harkens back to that incredibly silly Beach Boys song. And this is not incredibly silly. But then I think the the production and the use of the strings and horns, it does feel like it's, it's much more kind of a 60s record. I really, I think, the beginning of the song, I get a total Beatles in my life vibe mm-hmm. in some of the melodies mm-hmm. and instrumentation. And it, I love that she can go from almost like a straight up 80s pop disco song into this like 60s pop with a, a hint of psychedelia to it. And it they both work. And somehow this is a cohesive album. And the next song we'll play is also a very significant tonal shift. And it's called Posing in Bondage. Those who have felt pain 
said in an interview that her goal with this song was to give it kind of a synthy romantic feel but also have an industrial sound to it and i think she really achieved that with the beat that that heavy beat and then the kind of um i, I guess it sounds like synth drums or some kind of percussion yeah the percussion sounds super industrial and then those synths i feels almost like a vangelis score it's very there's like no edge at all to the synths they're all atmosphere and but they're in their own way this kind of slow throb that's then contrasted against this sort of faster almost heartbeat throb that we kind of get elsewhere in the song and then that very industrial percussion and it is this sense of kind of intense longing with no romance or sweetness it's purely just i want to be connected i want to be connected i want to be connected while acknowledging that that's kind of painful i mean this bondage being something that is like being deeply connected but at the very least uncomfortable yeah it has a real ambient almost alienated feel and zoner also on the side of her many talents is a music video director and so she the video for this song all the videos for the songs on this record are interesting and this video is kind of interacting with someone in this empty supermarket after closing time maybe and it does have that kind of open empty feel but then i really like the end where it picks up the pace and it just it feels a lot more kind of energetic and uh i don't know heartfelt yeah it is uh and there's it's, it's weird because it's a song that feels so big and it is, I, th- I think, in testament to Zahner as a songwriter, th- these songs are not long. I think mm-hmm. all but one of the songs is under four minutes and they often are very simple structurally. She doesn't mm-hmm. overwork things. Many of the songs do not have a bridge. It's just sort of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and I'm done. And I think I, I think I said this last last on our last episode, and I'm saying it here again, that less is more that having an artist who can clearly make elaborate music and can, you get the sense, and after a couple of albums, could have made something maybe self-indulgent, and she really has a lot of restraint here, and it's impressive. Yeah. So the next song we'll play is my favorite track on the record. It's called Savage Good Boy. song because she has said in interviews that this is about it's like speaking from the voice of kind of a super villain of this billionaire with a bunker that he wants her to come hide out when the world ends and like help repopulate the planet 
No, I totally, yeah, it's a Elon Musk subtweet. And then what, is, <laughs> what does that say? I mean, because I, I, honestly, I was listening to some of this music, the fact that the music is so carefully considered and the and the fact that she puts like her, these videos that she directs and are so kind of crazy and artistic and have uh-huh. these insane outfits. And it's like, I guess she's kind of the anti-Grimes. I was just going to say, like, I, I feel like, you know, Grimes is kind of probably around her age and is maybe a similar st- style of music. And I, I wonder if that is who she was thinking Yeah, she's of. like, she's trying to use her powers for good here. <laughs> and the video is terrifying and hilarious. And the song is, you know, it's hilarious, but also it's scary because we live in this world where billionaires think that they're just going to buy their way out of the apocalypse and we'll see yeah an awesome video that's worth looking up and it includes michael imperioli who's now like main job is performing in indie rock videos it seems it's a, it's a nice he's really uh, good in it it's yeah. a nice what third act i guess yeah. after uh, earlier stuff so uh and i guess the and weirdly the video is i guess a prequel to the video for the posing and bondage and you do get this sense that this is an artist you know, the videos are interlinked and there's all sorts of themes of uh, people are always eating ramen and they're sort of similar outfits. The music is so varied and the videos are so varied and yet they still feel cohesive. And that, you know, what are the multi-hyphenate artist yeah, she... that she is the quintessential of that between author, director, I guess she's done some acting now. She has a very global artistic vision, and you can tell that she's always thinking of new things to incorporate into her multifaceted art. Well, yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching, I think, a video she did for Amiibo where it's like, what's in your bag? And it's like, oh, well, I have some Korean girl groups, some Japanese disco, uh, some cat power and Nine Inch Nails. Oh, and Blade Runner. You know, her, her interests are uh, maybe not, I range from exotic to completely just, nerdy and she combines it all in an amazing way and uh i think coming from here we go into a song that's maybe less less dramatic but also really really catchy it's called in hell super catchy that chorus about love is being or hell is being finding someone to love but i can't have you and yet it is steeped with loss this feeling of you know this imagery of being in a hospital and watching someone die or being drugged and i don't know exactly what is being referred to here but the imagery is very sad very dark it is it's catchy but not an easy listen zoner has talked in interviews about how this song is about remembering having to put her family dog to sleep and how it was so 
quick and peaceful and painless. And then thinking about that as her mom was in a coma for like, I think a month and a half before she died and just basically having to wait for her to die and just thinking like how much better we treat our animals and um, just how hard that was. Yeah, that it's it's clearly sad, but it's still the sense of like, yeah, they gave you drugs to ease your way. And then I, I watched it happen and it, you know, it was quick, if extremely painful and at least painful for her, hopefully not painful for the dog. Yeah. And it is uh, you know, the sort of and the idea of like finding someone to love suggests, you know, is, is she finding someone else? And it's like, oh, I wish you could meet my dog, <laughs> which is a, a very, you know, I think a very relatable and I think it's the, there are grand, grand emotions and grand visions on this album and then really simple, quiet moments and really, it, it connects. I think what makes this song successful in my mind is the way that she combines these staccato synthesizers, which feel kind of cold and clinical with the warmth of the horns. And this is more Adam shots on a, a saxophone. And then there's a trumpet player and a trombonist as well. And that, that warmth of the horns just really pulls you back in and it's comforting. And I love the contrast between yeah. those two. And I do also really love how, you know, halfway through that second verse we heard, there is this real kind of I, I, kind of British invasion style guitar that feels so swaggering on this song and it shouldn't work, but it is it adds such a nice just kind of helping of pepper on top of this dish and it is a delight. So, so the next song we'll play is the penultimate track and it's called Tactics. credited as playing the Rhodes piano on this track, which is an electric piano that has a very distinctive sound. I think that's what we heard as I faded out there. But this is another record where she's really stretching her wings musically and vocally. You know, the the string arrangements are really complicated and really beautiful and add a lot of layering to the song. And her vocal range, you can tell she's really pushing it on some of the places or really trying to um, you know, push up her volume that it sounds a little bit strained. But again, it's I like to hear I like to hear an artist that is pushing themselves beyond their abilities. Yeah. Musically, this is so it's it's so lush sounding and it feels very much like a cla- you know classic American songbook and this sense of 
know, here is this artist who works in kind of pop rocks space and yet is, you know, obviously moving into soundtrack music, admittedly for video games now, but I, this is the sort of thing where it's like, I could see her doing movie music. Absolutely. Like she already has such a sensibility for the visual and pairing that with music and either, you know, soundtracking, I guess she's on track to do the music for the movie based on her book. Mm -hmm. But also you could see her just making her own movie and doing the music for it. And, and it could be a musical. Like it really feels like this, I could see this song being in a musical and it's the Mm -hmm. sentiment of just this someone expressing like, I long for you so much that the only thing I can do is leave town (laughs) because I can't handle this. And it's, so intense and relatable it's sweet and sad and it is i think capturing just what an assured artist she is it's remarkable yeah this whole record as i said at the beginning each song is kind of its own little window into her world and were recorded at different times with different people different supporting musicians and they each have their own flavor and feel and they're very there's a lot of variety but it does all hang together really well I think in this record and I'm not you know often you can point to something that is the common thread that makes all the sounds sound songs sound cohesive I don't think it's really her voice because her voice is lovely but it's not super distinctive but I don't know. It's her sensibility of um, and and the horns and the strings I think are a good through line throughout. Yeah, I, it is hard to, you know, on the surface. Yeah, everything is keeps taking these left turns sonically. And yet, yeah, I think this general feeling of bittersweet longing expressed very sweetly and it is the through line. And it is something that is, yeah, it feels so universal. And, you know, whatever, you know, she just released a memoir, the most personal thing you could release. And everything here feels, you know, it might be informed by whatever her experience is, but nothing feels anything other than swinging for the fences kind of universality. Anyone can relate to it. Yeah. And she's only 31 and she's already done all these artistic, she's completed all these artistic endeavors. And you can tell that she's really, she's already a very accomplished artist. And I can't wait to see what she does going forward because she has such a command of the arrangements and things on this record in particular that I could see her doing a record that was even more, had even more orchestral elements, for example. And I think it would be great. Yeah. But again, it could be an album, but I also could just as well see her dropping the music focus, making a movie. Who knows? She already, I guess, did one promotional video game for an earlier album. So maybe she does another video game. Who knows? It's, It's that sense of dizzying possibility when someone is firing in all cylinders in so many different pursuits. It's really amazing to see if like, what was I doing at 32? Uh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> you, so this record is 10 songs and it's all killer, no filler, or as you would say, all killer, all filler. <laughs> but every song is great. Um, you definitely have to check it out. Um, again, we've been discussing Japanese breakfast and you've been listening to For the Record and we're going to go out with the last song which is called Posing for Cars. Thanks so much for listening.
This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.